0: great worship. Um, this is pretty serious. What I'm going to talk about. What I, what I found in is that in every crowd, there's usually someone that's been deeply wounded. Either someone that's made a mistake that they they're still holding themselves responsible for it, or that have been hurt by others. And there's some horrible things that happen to people. In life, and um, <clears throat> we can actually sometimes blame God for it, or we can become stuck. We can't seem to get past that event, or what happened to us, or the mistake that we made. Yes, and I believe God has a—he's given me a strategy to help people move forward and not be stuck anymore. And what I want to talk to you about first part <clears throat> is. Um, joseph, the life of joseph, so if you're i'm sure you've read the story i've read it so many times i 've kind of memorized it, but what happened to him in the natural was terrible. I mean he was a little arrogant, he was the father's favored son, he was given the special jacket he told on his brothers he w- he was um he he was a little arrogant or cocky maybe. So, um, but what happened to him after that? He did not deserve. He was sold into slavery. Um, he I think it was 14 years. He was then put into prison. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he was put into prison. And he was ignored. He solved problems. He had God's favor. But he never never doubted God. He never let it poison his heart. So when his break came, um, he was ready. God actually used that part of his life to prepare him for what happened in his life in in the last part. But what I want to talk to you about is there might be some of you sitting in here. Our God will leave the 99 for the one. And there might be one person in here that's had something terrible happen to them. Or you might have made a big mistake. And what I'm saying to you is, is I'm asking you to look at this thing, if you're stuck there or you can't forgive yourself, to ask God to give you a different perspective. In the natural, what happened to Joseph was terrible. But four places in the Bible, Joseph said that God sent me ahead. There was a greater purpose in what had happened. And God used it, mainly because Joseph never hardened his heart. He never became resentful in bitterness. And I'm sure in all those years he struggled with that. But he always kept his faith. And what I'm I'm saying to you is, Think in your life, if there's something that you're stuck or if there's something that has happened to you that's terrible or some big mistake you made, God doesn't want you to be stuck. He, he does have amnesia because he remembers your sins no more. So when we don't, God says when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So he remembers our sins no more. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. We become white as snow. So for us to hold on to something that happened to us or did is idolatry because it's putting ourselves higher than God. So we need to let go. Some of you might need to forgive yourself for something you've done to someone in anger or resentment or bitterness and i I've, I've thought about paul's what paul talked about last week things that we hold in our heart in in um, proverbs there's a verse in proverbs and i wrote it down and i have several scriptures proverbs 423 guard your heart above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of your life So that's one thing we need to do. We need to keep our heart right before God. So there's a lot of great leadership in this church, and there are a lot of people that have walked with the Lord a long time. So if there is an event in your life that happened to you or that you did, you need to find someone to confess it and let them speak John 1-9 over your life and set you free. And that's what happened to Joseph. Um, he told his brothers when he revealed himself to his brothers, they were, they were scared to death. He said, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Another verse, Genesis 45, verses 7, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you are remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Just maybe something that happened to someone in this room. There's a different perspective to look at it. God <clears throat> wants to use what happened to you for good in your life. Second um, Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 with the grace he gives us to go through an event and to make it through, we're able to give to others to help them. And you notice like people in Al-Anon, you don't have um, robbers and thieves, you have people that overcame that thing in their life and they have a passion to help others. And so, um, and there are other like uh, Narcotics Anonymous, i've been to some of those meetings just to see what took place and uh, and i've noticed that people that overcame it with the grace god gave them to overcome it they passed on to others and they they um they gave hope so i just lay that out before you today if uh, if any of you have I'm, I'm sure that the staff would love to pray for you or i would love to pray for you if you have any event in your life you want to confess or get prayer for for healing, Uh, because I felt like today God wants to heal somebody. He wants to set somebody free. So um, he had me change everything I was going to talk about I had prepared, Uh and uh, I feel like that was for a reason. So I'm not trying to be negative. I just want to give you hope that nothing that's happened to you can can set you back or hold you back and I look at all the men in the Bible God used, he didn't use perfect people. He used adulterers, he used thieves, he used liars, he used murderers. God will use you if you'll go to him. And that murderer, God said he loved him because he had a heart for God. So you can get right today or whenever in private, but don't, don't sit on something that set you back and bothered you all of your life. Because he came to set the captives free. That's
1: powerful. Maybe at some point, when if Jim's comfortable, he right. can share his story. But I just want to tell you about this man. This, this is coming from someone who has overcome. And he's had some rough blows in life. But I am amazed because this man is... He loves God. And there's a depth... That's built in him and he's had to overcome some things and so when he says this it's coming from a life who's lived it And so i'm this is a a right on jim. Why don't you pray for us as a whole? Okay
0: Well, I I feel like what paul had to say If we're i've been I started asking the holy spirit I've asked him to create a clean heart in me and uh I don't want to hold anything. I want to be everything that God can be. And I pray that for you, too, that you can be everything for him. He loves you so much before you were born, he wrote your life story in a book. And I pray in the name of Jesus that nothing would keep anyone in this room or on TV or whatever we're watching, the Internet, from becoming everything that God has for you, And Father, in the name of Jesus, I break off any lies, any lying self-talk that we've believed lies about ourselves that were spoken over us. If someone's told you something about yourself that's not true, I break it off of you in the name of Jesus. And I release the truth to you that God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. He has healing for you. He has a great plan, and I release that over this, these people in this room right now. In the name of Jesus, I release healing. I break off any lying spirits that will lie to you and any deceiving spirits, and I break them off and release healing right now into your past and into the mistakes you've made and the things that others did for you. Father, set the captives free. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. What a, what a depth of wealth we have in this church and the people here. And so, love Jim. He's such an awesome brother. Um, and, uh, you know, when we value, let me put it like this. Jesus valued us so much that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly you really don't have a right to disagree with God. His, what he values is accurate, and he valued, you, valued each one of you so much that he shed his blood and he suffered for you, and he was glad to do it because the Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him was you. So don't disagree with God. Don't be so arrogant as to think that your sin is values you at such a way that it is greater than what God says about you. His value and the way he values is higher and he's right. He tells the truth. He doesn't lie. We lie. We lie to ourselves, we lie to one another. But he doesn't lie, and he valued so much that he shed his blood for you. So let's not agree with the devil, and let's not disagree with God concerning ourselves and others. Is that right? Amen. Amen. Well, speaking of wealth, I'm about to turn a hurricane loose probably, but come on up, Jonathan. <laughs> hurricane. So me and Jonathan have known each other uh, we knew each other back in the morning star days of school of ministry, and when he was there, I guess in the late '90s, early 2000s, 97 is when '97 OK, so um, I've known Jonathan a long time, but I've really got to know him since we've, I've lived here and, and, uh, and we've just begun to partner and do things together, and I value so much what God's doing in this brother, and I think he's got something hopefully from God. so <laughs> <laughs> ha,
2: Me too. Well, I can circle this meeting back into what Jim started with and what you told me earlier. And, you know, the the wonderful thing about walking with God is you don't have to know the future, but you can be sensitive when you start feeling things connect and then you start coming into alignment with what needs to happen in that moment. So yeah, I've I've been, you know, I didn't really have much to think about when I knew I was going to be talking this Sunday, but man, I really start, you know, here in the last 12 hours, things really started kind of like coming together and, you know, I just come to a meeting not even knowing what to do because I'll just hear something and find out what to do. <laughs> That's okay. But before I came to the meeting, you know, I did something outside. That kind of is gonna, I think, was really something that was being initiated for the morning. Uh, What's your name, sir? I saw you out there earlier. Will? Yeah, right. Roger. So, um, so I want to kind of kick this off. You know, the thing is, God is in the room. The Holy Spirit is in the room. I don't have to invite Him. I just need to agree that He wants to accomplish something in the room. And you know, I have this kind of running theme in my life right now that started a couple years back. And, you know, I have this word that's kind of been planted in me called perfect alignment. And, you know, um, this started a while back, but, you know, this, who can see the picture on my shirt? Well, yeah, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's a solar eclipse. <laughs> And so how many of you have been to some of the God Nights that I've been doing for the last year and a half or so? So, I, you know, this is kind of really a, um, a branding of God Night. The solar eclipse is really the logo for that meeting that I've been doing. But, you know, the thing is, I wanted to start this, this time off with, you know, perfect alignment really is the revelation of agreeing with God. And Travis is hitting on this this declaration that we need to agree with God. And, you know, the revelation that I feel like I've been holding on to and I keep digging on and let it keep expanding is perfect alignment is just coming into agreement with God. It's really coming into thinking like him. And as a result of that, then you start to act like him. And people who say that they love God, but their nature and their actions completely contradict what you to know what God is like, it doesn't line up. It's a real double standard. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people will say they love God. Peter said that he loved Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But Jesus had to say, Peter, do you really love me? So, you know, the, even some of the greatest people of faith say that they love God, but there's still a, a revelation of what loving God really looks like. And so perfect alignment is, thinking like God and acting like God and basically agreeing with God. And so, you know, I think the the subject matter here is really getting into reality, a reality check. What is my reality? What is your reality? You know, let's talk about this reality for a second. I want everybody to close their eyes. Just do this little exercise. May everybody close their eyes. And if you've read Revelation 19 you begin to come into this understanding that there's a throne room. So just imagine, right now, there is a reality in this moment in time, in the earth, that coincides outside a reality of time. And right now, there is a throne room with 24 elders. Imagine that, 24 elders around the clock saying, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. and all things, bow and worship him. And just stay in that for a minute. That is a reality of what's happening in a place where time does not exist. That's happening right now around the throne of God. And by faith, we understand that. By faith, we're literally, we are, you, can, you can just be still and you can feel the presence in the room. You are stepping into that reality by faith and you are there, seated with God, seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And you now literally are in the throne room right now. By faith, that is a reality. And you can snap right out of it and come right back. And you can look at me and you can look at each other and you can see man. See, reality changes everything when you come into seeing things from the perspective, a word that Jim had hit on, when you see things from the perspective of how God sees things. So, you know, reality, I took a little dictionary snapshot here, you know, by definition, you know, reality is the world or the state of things as they actually exist as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. And the other option is the state or quality of having existence or substance. You know, reality comes in so many different ways for so many different people because of what they believe or what experiences they've had. Like Jim has a reality based on what he's had to overcome that I don't have because I haven't walked in his shoes. And I have a reality personally on some things that, you know, that um, that I've experienced that you have not experienced. That's a reality for me. I had brain surgery when I was twenty-three. You know, that was a reality that I had to face. That that happened. Um, that was a very interesting time. But you know, you get into, you know, defining reality. The, here's the thing about God. I talked about this in you know a while back. But you know, we stand in a position of looking at the past to the present. We can't see the future, but God lives in the future, looking from the future to the past. Why is it easy for God to tell you what's going to happen? Because he's already in the future. How did Jesus know Peter was going to deny him after the rooster crowed? Because he was in the future. When we believe the message of the gospel, when we actually believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and that we get born again, what does it say? You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So what happens? Now the carnal man is no longer superseding, but the spiritual man comes in. And the Holy Spirit now brings testimony and testifies and, and wit, becomes a witness to a reality that you could not see. So why is all this important? Because we need to understand and we need to stand on the reality that God is in the future, we are in the future with him, and that everything that's happening around us should not be shaking us because he's already promised what the end result is. It's kind of like getting to the end of the message, but it's kind of like, you know, this morning, I, um, I came here, sitting in the truck, just sitting out in the back of the building, and I saw this guy across the street in that little store, and he's limping with his foot in a cast, and I looked at him, and I kept looking at him, and I said, man, I need you to go and pray for that guy. So I got out and walked over there, put 20 bucks in my pocket, <laughs> said, hey, I'll give you $20 if you let me pray for your ankle. Is your time not worth something? I mean, it's just money. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's just money. It's just, it's replaceable. People respond to money and it wasn't a bribe. It was just, hey, I'm serious enough to come and talk to you because you don't know me that I will give you money to buy your time because what I can talk to you about is worth more than 20 bucks. So I, I just started talking to him and I said, you know, do you, I believe in the power of God. Do you believe that if I prayed for you that God would heal your ankle. He said, we got to talk. <laughs> his name's Roger. He sat down on the, uh, the A-frame, uh, uh, what do you call it, sawhorse, and he just opened up for about five to eight minutes. I mean, he just opened everything in his life up. Man, I've been here, I've been there. He even told me his mother was murdered, shot in the head three times. He started unfolding and unfolding. I mean, he took some of the deepest things of his life and just put them in front of me. I said, let me pray for your ankle. He called me his prayer buddy now. I got it. He got, he's got my phone number. <laughs> so I said, take my phone number. We'll, we'll chat. The whole point is, I was led to do that. I didn't have any compassion for him of myself. But when God is in you, you begin to start seeing a reality of how he sees people. And then he invites you and gives you a privilege to do something that you normally would not do on your own time. I think there is a thing of healing for this meeting. you know, Jim mentioned something about healing. You mentioned something to me before Jim talked, and then I was out there this morning, and Travis came by, and he's, he saw me standing out there in the store and he 's like, I think people going to get healed today, so there 's three unless Paul, did you get something on healing earlier too, or is I thought you guys were talking there 's been three consecutive hits about healing today. I just came here and decided that I was supposed to go pray for that guy across the street. So it's like, these things are kind of like lining up. So I had all these notes. I don't know necessarily if these notes are even all that important right now, <laughs> you know? But you know, the thing is, God is in the future. You know, who, who, can, who can identify this phrase? You're in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Who said that? <laughs> Kim man, yeah, that was his whole running theme. You're in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. And it's a true statement. <laughs> Why? Because when the Valley of Dry Bones was presented to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, goes, Ezekiel said, I don't know if these bones can live, but God, if you speak to them, they'll come to life because God could see something that could be not something that it was. True prophetic declaration is being able to call futures into existence. There's a, there's a, there's a verse in this, uh, this song that I hear. A, he's a hip-hop artist, and he says, you're too busy talking about people's past. Why don't you start talking about their future? Everybody's so hung up on the social dilemmas of the past. Why don't we start talking about the future? God's not talking about the past. He's talking about the future. He's talking about the future of your life and my life. He's talking about the future of Roger's life. What was, Will? Will. Talking about the future of Will's life. God is talking about your future. This is is what blows my mind a little bit. You know, I had this, I guess, what I call a revelation when I I was reading up on Noah. And you know, in Genesis 6, It says that Noah was a righteous and blameless man. And the Lord came to him and said, Noah, I'm about to destroy the earth. That was a reality that he carried for 100 years. In Genesis 5, it says that Noah was 500 years old when he had three sons. In Genesis chapter six or seven, I think it's six, it says that when Noah was 600, he stepped into the ark and shut the doors. For a hundred years, God had showed him what he was going to do in the future. And I think to myself, how could you imagine living with yourself and your immediate family for a hundred years and you know the earth is about to be flooded? Did he even tell anyone? Could he tell anyone? Did he even have the right to tell anybody? See, a lot of people talk about being prophets, and prophets always want to talk about what they're seeing. Well, some of the prophets that are truly mature, they don't really talk about what the Lord is showing them because they like to keep the secrets of the Lord because there's trust there. It's not because they're hiding, but there's something about God finding someone that he can talk to them, and they can keep this between him and God. And I've heard some people say that many people will be known in heaven for the things they did not share while they walked on the earth, not everything they did share. If you have a best friend and you tell them a really close secret, what's the last thing you want them to do? <laughs> Is it not God looking for someone who will not disclose some of his closest secrets? Not because he's trying to withhold, but because the Lord is looking for someone who he can, he can find in faith, who can trust, can be established. So Noah, for 100 years. And, you know, Jesus comes into the scene and says, in the end, it'll be like the days of Noah. And, you know, in Genesis, there's tons of violence, tons of all kinds of things that happen in the earth. You know, this is where I'm really getting, like, into reality, everybody in this room that believes the message of the cross, that believes the gospel, you also believe that Jesus is coming back to the earth. Could you imagine being Simeon in the temple when the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he was going to see the Messiah before he died? He'd been holding on to that word for a long time. And finally, Jesus gets presented in the temple and Simeon sees the Savior, and he says, I can die now because this word has been fulfilled. There's going to be someone living on the earth when Jesus comes back to the planet. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is getting me a little wound up because do you want to be deemed a lunatic? Tell people you know the future. <laughs> you don't think John the Baptist was deemed a lunatic? Prepare the way for the coming of the Son. It's going to be the same message in a generation on this earth that, you know, in the book of Acts, right there in chapter one, they're talking to Jesus. That's being the disciples. And all of a sudden, Jesus leaves the earth on a cloud and these two angels appear and they say, don't worry, the son of man will return the same way he left. That's a that's that's a prophecy. That's a word All the way in Revelation, all the way back through scriptures, people are prophesying about a second coming. I'm not trying to get into the second coming, but I am. He was prophesied before he came, Isaiah 61. He will break free those who are in slavery. And in also Isaiah 6, he will be born of a virgin, foretelling the future. I'm going to tie this back into a message because... Outside of the second coming, but into healing and the fact that people need to know that God has already had a plan in place from day one. And this is this gets into the real depth of faith and the reality of what we believe. Hey, what's the future hold? Uh, Jesus will be coming back to the earth. <laughs> okay, you one of those believe the Bible guys? Yeah, absolutely, I believe the Bible because. By faith, I understand that God created all things. And by faith, he's revealed things in scripture. I don't even know why I'm even on these subjects. This has been like a weird morning for me because I'm just sitting over there with my eyes closed all morning and the worship was amazing. You guys had some veins, man, that just, there were some veins and anointings that just kept coming up and down. And, and honestly, we could have just not had a meeting and just prayed for the sick and gone home. That would have been fine. <laughs> I I didn't have to talk today, but you know, could have just prayed for the sick, worshiped, and left. Maybe had some food and then called a day. (laughs) I'm saying all this because that gentleman earlier, Roger, he just needs to know that God cares. And he needs to know that people care because people have been impacted by God. And he sat down and he started confessing how the Lord had been helping him and that he had been losing hope. He had just gotten a job. But he started opening up about how his faith was wavering. And, and he was talking to someone recently they said, you just don't need to quit having faith. You don't need to lose hope. And I went over there and just started talking to him, you know, and all of a sudden it was just the reaffirmation that he needed another confirmation that he was not losing his mind. He just needed to know that, man, I need to get back on the horse. I'm not so sure I'm necessarily bringing a hurricane. (laughs) But you know, I got all these notes, you know, you put a bunch of notes down, so many scriptures that you can, you know, line stuff up on what we do at 1230, right? That's usually our target goal. But I just think about Noah. See, we are like Noah. In very, very similar reality, many of us understand that God has made a promise and that Jesus said there was an appointed time on the earth that even I don't know about and the angels don't know about. We are living in an appointed time right now like Noah. We know that Jesus is coming back to the earth just like Noah knew there was a flood coming. It's a very similar parallel and we're living our life knowing that we have a reality of what's coming and people who have not encountered God do not see that reality. All they can see is get up, work, make a bunch of money, get a 401k, save a bunch of money for the ends because when I leave, I can give it to somebody. In the kingdom of God, you should have no money when you die. You should give all your money to your children so they can have it while you're, you know, there's a different mindset with with God when it comes to money. He doesn't want you working hard to save a bunch of money and get millions in the bank because you're not taking it with you. So the money has a different purpose. Has a totally different purpose. You know, naked you come, naked you leave. Well, You'll probably have clothes on in a casket, but you know. (laughs) I mean, you know. The thing is, connecting with people and just talking about the gospel, being in public and just being available, you're going to see the power of God move if you just make yourself available. Right. You know, And the, the thing is, we come into a revelation, we come into a reality, because the Spirit has shown us a reality that we could not make up of our own. And we have to remember that if we don't tell someone about this reality, they can't believe. You know, there are 150,000 people that die every day. 150,000 people. That's 53 million people a year dying of just cause of natural things or other not natural things. You don't think God... That means 150,000 people every day are standing before God to give an account for what they believed. That's a whole different like reality. Wait 150,000 people are going before the throne every single day. And there's like 380,000 people born every day, a lot more people coming into the Earth than there are leaving. I mean this is the way I think. I think about stuff like this. I mean, man, that's a reality. The gentleman in the back in the blue shirt with a collar, what's your name? Michael. Michael. I see success on your life. I see success on your life, but you may have to go through two or three times of figuring something out before that success comes. Don't let that discourage you. Just plow through and persevere because the determination that you have, there's success at the end. For whatever it is you're going for right now. Are you going for anything right now? Well, go for it. And when you, when you, when you, failure not the word God likes to use, He likes to call it a learning curve. You will learn what doesn't work so that basically you will figure out what does work so the success will come. I hope that hits home with you. I guess by the look on your face, you're very encouraged. <laughs> He's laughing. Hey, hallelujah. Sir in the green shirt. I'm pointing you out. Yes, that's you. Michael. Is that another Michael? You know, you come to a meeting, you think you got a teaching, you just kind of like throw it out the window sometimes. You're in a very time-sensitive circumstance. The Lord is going to diffuse whatever thing that you don't want to happen that could bring harm to you, he's going to diffuse it for you. Does that make sure, I I don't want to ask the question if it makes sense. Be sensitive to what's happening right now because the Lord is going to diffuse something that is not supposed to happen. you, You can agree with that? Okay. See, I know in part, I know what I'm seeing but just, just pay attention because whatever has been ignited against you is going to fail. Hey, Lord, give some more stuff, you know. I think I go back to Roger. I think he's, I think he's really the main focus. He, he's a type. He's an example. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of the Lord answering a question for me through a very odd scenario of me being arrested. This is like a year and a half ago. (laughs) No, it's not because I'm a criminal. No, it's not because I broke the law. It was the Lord using a circumstance to get my attention. Roger is an example of someone who just is waiting for the Lord to intervene and to let him know that he cares and that there is faith on the earth. There is. But I asked the Lord a question. I said, you know, what's the number one thing that you're asking of me? There's a lot of things you can do, right? But what's the number one thing the Lord wants you to do? Because you can waste your time doing a lot of things the Lord's not asking you to do. And that's okay. The Lord will bless it. He loves his children. He wants to see us have fun. But I'm like, okay, what's the number one thing? So I'm driving down the road and the blue lights kick on and I get pulled over. And the sheriff walks up to the front door and says, hey, sir, how you doing tonight? I said, I'm good. He goes, uh, did you know the driver's license is revoked? I said, I did not know that. He goes, well, it is. And so I'm going to have to arrest you. <laughs> I said, really? I said, okay. It's like 1030 at night. My dad actually was present. He had to come bring $100 to me so I could pay the, the bail. <laughs> I mean, I went to jail. I mean, the jail, the jail cell area in handcuffs. Here's what happened. I'm sitting in the car, and I was like, you know what, man? This is a really good thing that's happening. It is. This is a good thing. I, so I felt the Lord fall in, in the truck. I felt the Holy Spirit just coming. I'm like, man, I see it. It was just like instant understanding. That's what it's like with the Lord. Sometimes you just instantly know what's happening because the mind of God just comes in and just shows you. There's no figuring out. That's why it's called a revelation. Bing, the light bulb kicks in. And I started seeing this sheriff as really a messenger. And I was like, I'm so glad that you've told me because if you wouldn't have told me, I wouldn't have known. And when I said that, I literally prophesied my own answer because the Lord took me straight into the scripture that says, how will people believe if no one is sent and no one is told the message? I didn't know that my driver's license was revoked. So I'm glad he told me because I would not have known unless he told me. How will people know if there is hope unless someone is sent to tell them? So he stuck me in the car, put me in handcuffs, and I was so happy. I mean, I was like cloud nine because I knew that I was having a revelation. I was getting an answer. So I started prophesying to the sheriff on the way to the sheriff's cell. <laughs> I started talking to him about his father and how God needs to be his father. I just went into this whole. I'm, so prophes- I'm, so, I mean, I'm so uncomfortable in those cars, man. Your, your arms are tucked behind your back. You're pinched against the seat. And I'm just like, the guy's looking at me like, what is wrong with this guy? He's happy about being in the back of my sheriff's car. And I was so tickled because I knew that I was getting revelation. I was getting an answer. So I just started prophesying to him about his future and his father and all that stuff. And he kind of looked at me, no response, just total sheriff, you know. OK, yes, sir. All right. You yeah. know, just he opened up a little bit. I get down to the uh, to the jail. I get in there. My dad brought me one hundred dollars at side of the road down there. At Carolina Beach Road brought me one hundred bucks. That's what my fee was to pay the hundred dollar fee. And then I'd go. So he already told me, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to arrest you and you're going to get out of jail because you're going to pay the hundred bucks. See, the plan was already revealed to me before it even went down. Doesn't God have a plan? Has He not already given us the answer? He has told us the future already. So I get down there and I've got this really big grin on my face because I'm having a real encounter with the Lord. And I get in front of the magistrate and she looks at me and goes, You can wipe that smirk off your face. There's nothing funny about this. <laughs> and man, my face dropped. I said, Oh my gosh, you religious spirit. <laughs> You think I'm kidding. She was a symbol of legalism. She was the judge. She was trying to basically, you know, she not knowing this, because I'm looking at this from a different reality. My reality is I am seeing this from a spiritual point of view, from revelation. All they're seeing is, oh, you have got a speeding ticket or something. And what happened was, I had a ticket for speeding. So I have been known to have a heavy foot. That's okay. I'm, you know, not perfect. I may have perfect alignment with God, and I'm perfected by faith, but I'm still being sanctified. (laughs) I had a speeding ticket. Somehow or another, the court date got moved around because of the hurricanes, and I never showed up to court. So they filed a warrant for my arrest. That's what it was. He said, you have a warrant out for your arrest because your driver's license is revoked. And I said, really? I have a warrant out for my arrest. So I get in front of the judge, and it was like, don't you dare laugh. Don't you dare think about having fun. This is serious. There's nothing funny about this. And boy, I sat down. It was kind of like I got smacked with a ruler. I said, man, she, she's just a type. Isn't that what the religious spirit does? As soon as you're about to get free, as soon as you're about to pay bail, as soon as Jesus comes in to set you free for the guilt of the crime, the enemy will try to keep you from experiencing that freedom. I said, here's the hundred bucks. She goes, take him out of handcuffs. He's free. Dad, was that the... Uh, were you there that night the whole time you waited for me? Or did you come pick me up? <laughs> See, this was actually legitimate arrest. It wasn't like when I was in high school and you had to come get me because I was up to no good. This was a true, different encounter. <laughs> I guess the whole thing is people need healing. Roger had a thing on his foot and I prayed for his ankle, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about him having two children. He was like, how you know I got two kids? I said, man, just let it ride. <laughs> I said, I just, I just, the first thought that came into my head. And he goes, how do you know my ankle was hurt? I said, I just, you're wearing a, a foot brace. He goes, it could have been my toe. I said, I don't know, okay? Let's pray for it. I mean, sometimes you just don't really know you're getting revelation. You know, being prophetic doesn't necessarily mean you know everything you're doing. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, And and everybody is prophetic if you're in relationship with God. If you're in relationship with God, you're going to hear him and he's going to move on you and he's going to talk to you about things. That's just the nature of how it works. You can't have relationship unless there's communication. It's just simple. The idea that God's not speaking is, no wonder people don't want to come to the message. Who wants to believe a message where God doesn't talk to you? (laughs) That's just, that's not the reality of what it means to walk with God. So, Why I think this is important. This whole thing tying together with me feeling led to pray for the guy in the back with his ankle. And Travis getting some impressions about healing and getting led on that. And then Jim starts talking about it. We live in such a volatile time. People need hope. They still need hope. It's always going to be like that. And the only way they're going to hear the message is if we decide to tell them. You know, and, and the thing is, in the days of Noah, when Jesus talks about this, this is a sad truth. It is, this is a sad, harsh reality. It says this right there in, um, in Luke 20, 10, 24, I think. I've got to pull up my notes, correct myself. I've always learned that when you speak in front of people, you want to make sure you got your notes correct, so you're not misleading people, but... um yeah, like in the days of Noah, it's actually Matthew twenty four thirty seven. This is the thing that's crazy reality to embrace. People didn't necessarily believe what was going to happen until it happened. And it says it right there. It says, when the Son of Man comes back, it'll be like the days of Noah. People will be giving in marriage. They will be working. They will be eating. They will be drinking. They will be living life they did not know the flood was coming until it started raining. And when it started raining, then they knew what was happening. It will be like that when Jesus returns to the earth. People will be living on the earth, being given in marriage. They will be drinking and they will be having fun. And when he comes back, they're gonna go, oh my goodness, all those people who were believing for the future, I now get it. And at that point, it may be too late. Because it was too late for everybody on the earth when the floods came. And it rained for 40 days. And when Noah came out of the ark, there was only, this is, this is a reality check. He walks out of the ark and there's only 10 people on the face of the earth. 10 people. No, no, I, I count. There was 10. Yeah. I counted. There was Noah, his wife, and his wives. And their wives. Let's fact check it. I counted ten. <laughs> <laughs> fact check me. I would love to be corrected, because I don't want to be wrong. In this. Was there eight? eight? I thought there was ten. Eight. Okay, eight there is. Ocho! <laughs> hey, I. <that's>, thank you. <laughs> that makes it worse. Only eight people on the earth, and Where do you think all those animals and people were? No, no. I'm talking about all the people that the Lord got rid of. They were all over the earth. And when the water subsided, don't you think the bodies were there? I mean, come on. We watch movies that depict a lot worse things than that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And this is what's crazy is God told Noah... And he put a anointing, a a presence on his life that all of the creatures of the earth would fear him. That wherever he went, the animals would fear him. Circling back around, God created a covenant. Noah saw it, Isaiah saw it, Ezekiel saw it, John the Baptist saw it. Everybody saw that God was gonna create a new covenant and the covenant that we walk in now with Jesus raising himself from the dead. And that is a reality that when he left, he said he's coming back. It could be our generation. It could be the next generation, but that is going to happen. But in the meantime, we tell people what we embrace and what we believe, and we testify of the spirit of God living in us, and then we pray for the sick, And we let the evidence of our faith produce a work. Faith is the substance of the things that we're sure of, the things we hope for, the evidence of the things unseen. What's the reality? I believe in something, you believe in something that I cannot see. You wanna be labeled loony? Tell someone you believe in something you can't see. I mean, following God is going to require you to be deemed not logical. Right. <laughs> Believing God will require you to be coined as someone who is not all there. One fry short a Happy Meal, not the sharpest tool in the shed. I mean, we, we have a, the point is there's a reality that we embrace that other people don't see because they haven't encountered God yet. I think people need to encounter God now in this room who need healing. I do. That's a reality. And I think Travis wants to, you know, transition into some some ministry time for healing. That's not at all how I planned this thing to go out. (laughs) You know, I I don't even know half of what I said and if half of it made any sense. But I know this. (laughs) The Lord wants to heal some people today. Stay up here. Amen. Um,
1: you know, there is a reality that's, you know, the word real, reality, real, it's real. It's concrete. Not everything that we think we're experiencing is reality. It was given to me like this. I had a dream one time that I was in this room, and the presence of the Lord was there. I've shared this numerous times at the church, but the presence of the Lord was in this room, in this dream. I could; see, There were angels all around me. It was such a happy place that you could just feel God. I mean, you literally could feel His presence. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice, and this voice whispers something in my ear, and I start considering it. And as I did... Though my physical geography didn't change, I'm in the same standing, in the same spot, in the same room. All of a sudden, as I'm considering what this voice is saying, I'm in a, it's just pitch black. And there's demons everywhere. I can hear them screaming and just shrilling and whatever, however you say that. They were Screeching. screeching. And it was just, it was really bad. I mean, it was like going from heaven to hell in a split second. And I'm like, I'm in confusion all of a sudden, like, what just happened? And then I started realizing, wait a minute, whose voice was I listening to? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, I no, I reject that. And I started rejecting the voice I'd been listening to. And instantly, I'm back in the presence of the Lord with the angels and everything had changed, though I physically didn't move. And the Lord began to speak to me that the reality that we experience is based on the voice that you listen to and you agree with. You can be in the very one person can be going through the exact same thing, but the voice that they're listening to will determine a different experience. It's like the person who's dying, or let's say it like this: the person who looks like they're dying. They're in a they're in a what looks like is a for sure. Uh, death on a ship that looks like it's going down with no help. One person is freaking out because they're not not—they're not ready to die and they know they're dying. The other person's in perfect peace. What's the difference? They're both experiencing the same thing. Well, one has a different reality. You see what I'm saying? And so the Lord wants us to live by a different reality and it's the reality of heaven. It's agreeing with God. And today... You know this is what I was thinking. How many saw the recent the most recent episode of The Chosen? Wow, really? Okay, we got a row here. If y'all how many watched The Chosen? Okay, that's good. You can get the app and you can watch the three episodes of season 2 for free. Is incredible. But they they depicted in this last episode a scene where Jesus was sitting and healing people from sun up to sundown, which is, it actually happened, it's written about in the Bible. And it's very interesting, you know, to watch that. But I was thinking about this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The reality of who he is is that he is a healer. But what determines if he's a healer in our life is basically who we receive him as. Is Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is he your healer today? Is he your healer today? Do you believe that? If you believe that Jesus is your healer today and you need healing, then receive healing today. So we're going to ask for the reality of the Son of God to be manifested in this room. Jesus the healer so if you need healing in your body stand up
2: so I told Travis you know my brother-in-law he's uh he's what's it called when you can't eat gluten you're gluten-free but there's a term for it what's it called mom yeah. so my brother-in-law's been like that for seven years he went to an event in Greensboro. He got healed of that. He laid hands on his daughter. She got healed of it. He prayed for a lady from his church. She got healed from it. This has all happened in the last two weeks. He's been eating donuts and cheeseburgers like crazy. He said he, 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 um, you know, he'd been eating so healthy for six weeks, he lost a bunch of weight, and he said, oh my God, I put five pounds on in one day because I got healed of this thing. And everywhere you go, he's like, he prayed for me for my shellfish allergy, and I ate some lobster. I don't know yet, you know? <laughs> Well, no, I had a little itch in my eye, but I think, I don't even know what it was, but I was like, and I believe it. So I'm just saying that there's something happening in my family right now where he's praying for, I said, you go pray for every single person you encounter for this thing, man, because there's an authority and there's a healing moving through you. And he's on cloud nine, eating everything he can eat. I mean, that's happening in, in, in the city right now. with just one person, one person. Amen. All right, so we're gonna believe God for
1: some healing now.